0: In Season 4 of Mega Dumbcast, I unearthed and punched open the secrets of Shadowloo buried on each and every goddamn page of the aptly named Secrets of Shadowloo, a supplement for the Street Fighter storytelling game. Along the way, I blazed a trail into M. Bison's island headquarters of Mriganka, where I encountered some of Shadowloo's most intriguing gaming possibilities, yet left many still to be discovered. This week, the time has come to go back. Join me now in revisiting mriganka as our return to mriganka begins to wind down this week it's time to start bringing it home to the role-playing game context it's all well and good to talk about street fighter it's all well and good to explore this game's canon whose vastness is matched only by the extent to which nobody gave a shit but the point of all this is to bring that material back to the gaming table to play this inexplicable white wolf rpg ...about Street Fighters doing Street Fighter shit, and that means we can't just look at the Street Fighter side, but we also have to look at the White Wolf side. These are White Wolf mechanics, this is a White Wolf game with lots of White Wolf material created by the White Wolf staff, and Rigonka is not an unprecedented idea in the White Wolf role-playing canon. As we discussed in the last episode of the main season, there are a lot of parallels to Shadaloo and Bison and Rigonka in the World of Darkness... Now, my original idea for this episode was that I was going to review some of them, right? I was going to do some technocracy stuff. I was going to do some Pentex stuff. I was going to do some Camarilla stuff, maybe look at the havens of some powerful vampires, get into some Akashic Brothers stuff about martial arts. And I could have done all that work, but I found that it was work. Uh, I found that it was uh taking time, taking effort. And, uh, you know, that's not what podcasting is all about. Podcasting is about getting your goddamn episodes out and trying to keep them under two hours long if you can. So instead, I kind of looked through my relevant sources, and I found the one that I thought was most relevant, that had the most original stuff to contribute, and that felt very distinctly White Wolf, and I just decided to talk about that one, just to talk about that one source as, like, the closest thing to a World of Darkness take on Rigonga. Uh The book that I chose to talk about is one uh, that I at least had never encountered before called Monkey Wrench Pentax. That's Monkey Wrench, exclamation mark, Pentax. Pentex, for those who don't know, is one of the uh, big antagonists from the Werewolf the Apocalypse game. It's an evil corporation, a little bit of an old fashioned evil corporation, honestly, even by the end of Werewolf's production history. Uh, but yeah, it's like a big evil corporation. They hate the environment. They hate goodness and they're secretly controlled by just a whole array of different flavors of evil. Um, of course, the whole thing is ultimately backed by the worm, which is like the cosmic manifestation of entropy and corruption. But you've got like vampires in executive positions. You got demonic security guards. I think there's some ghosts involved in all this. Just, I mean, it's so much. It's all different kinds of evil, but it's in a corporate form and they pose as like a legitimate business. This book, Monkey Wrench, Pentax, is a really interesting uh, supplement actually that has these kind of like handouts printouts and like in-character documents of various kinds that could have been stolen or intercepted or whatever from Pentax with clues to how the organization is set up and how you could raid some of their facilities, including this one building, uh, the Panacea building. Panacea is like an evil medical company of some kind under the umbrella of Pentex. So it's kind of an adventure book in the sense that it gives you like a direction to go in and a structure to go through. It also gives you NPCs. So it gives you, you know, your antagonists and supporting characters to support your adventure into this place. And then it gives you a bunch of like handouts and clues to support you as a storyteller in having your characters investigate and plan a raid. But it's not exactly like a pointed adventure. It's more of an adventure meal kit, an adventure salad bar, if you like. And that's very much the situation with Muriganka um, in Secrets of Shadowloo, right? There's an adventure in the back, but it doesn't have anything to do with Muriganka. The whole middle of the book is an adventure location that uses a bunch of statted antagonists, and there are lots of hooks, but there's no like A to B to C plot. The storyteller provides that for themselves. I like that format. I find that to be a really useful format and a supplement. And it's great here because the focus is on these facilities and the people in them, which is where there's a real parallel to Mriganka. Uh, First, a couple of differences. Remember that this is a supplement for one of White Wolf's very serious storytelling games. On its surface, there's a lot more here about like complex interpersonal political relationships within the company and like the structure of leadership. There's a lot of background on all the NPCs. It's not good enough to be... An English aristocrat who started bum fights and killed a wind witch, and then got haunted by her, and now you are an organized crime mastermind. Simple sketches like that have no place in Monkey Wrench Pentex. Instead, we get all this stuff about like where people came from and how they came to the company, and who do they like and who do they not like. Oh, okay, kind of kind of interesting, kind of useful for a World of Darkness game, but I have to admit it is much less entertaining to read uh, than the Street Fighter material. It's kind of hard to keep track of all the different personalities here. Uh, Zettler, Heinz, Persephone, Zygote, uh, they all have relationships to each other. They got relationships to all kinds of outlying characters. Also, the panacea building is not like in Rigonka in the sense that it's not like this total theme park. Rigonka is inexplicable, but whatever the fuck it is, it's obvious that it is that from any distance. If you look down at Rigonka from space, you'd be like, well, that island's fucked up. Mission Control, we have eyes on Rigonka. It's all kind of fucking weird. We don't have a tremendous amount of resolution on our surveillance uh, up here in the shuttle. But as a group, we, the astronauts, have a sense this island would have a lot of trapdoors on it. I think that, like, it's perfectly obvious what McGonk is, as weird as it is. Instead, here what we have is it kind of looks like an office building. Like, it's an office building and kind of an office park. The veneer of normality is pretty thick. but But underneath it, this is a real dungeon crawl. And it's meant to be that when you kind of go through it as a dungeon crawl... It seems normal enough that all of the weird things that happen, all of the paranormal stuff, will feel like an eruption of evil influences into this mundane setting, which is the, the feel they're going for in a lot of World of Darkness stuff. When you strip that away and just make a list of all the weird shit in this office building, that's when the resemblance to Muruganka becomes much clearer. So that's the way I'm going to present it. Just all the weird stuff and ideas from this building that would be relevant to Muruganka. Uh Number one. Werewolves, as you may not know if you are not a fan of Werewolf the Apocalypse, we in the outside world think of them as primarily defined by like fur, teeth, transform under the full moon, uh, feel guilty about what you did, run around in the woods. If you play Werewolf the Apocalypse, you know that one of the defining features of werewolves is a close connection to this kind of like hazy spirit world that they can go walk around in and use it to get in places you wouldn't expect werewolves to be able to get into. So if some anti-werewolf extremists are like, hold up in a bunker somewhere. The werewolves can be like, okay, let's all look in a reflective surface. We'll go to the spirit world where all the grass is vibrant and the sky is filled with songbirds full of the wisdom of our ancestors. And then we'll go over there and in the spirit world, dig our way down through the fecund soil into the earth. And then we'll um, go back into the regular world once we're down where the bunker is. And then we'll tear those motherfuckers a new one there's a lot of thematic stuff about the spirit world that Werewolf the Apocalypse does, but it's also a, a pretty useful tactical option for enemies who aren't prepared for it. So here, at the Panacea building, there are spiritual defenses. Uh, the Penumbra here, which is kind of like the shallowest level of the spirit world, it's all corrupted. It's all messed up and dangerous for werewolves. This is a nice contrast with the physical mundanity of the location. And this isn't directly applicable to Street Fighter, but I do think... There's a real theme in Secrets of Shadowloo about, like, poison to chi. You know, the poison haze that corrupts people. You've got M. Bison's, like, dark psychic power. You've got, like, the dark chi that comes from the meteorite shards. I think an environment of poison chi where chi powers are kind of twisted, your various uh, mystical abilities are kind of tainted in a certain way when you're on Regonka or, like, near the meteorite, that's a cool idea to take over. In fact, on the topic of poison haze, there's a great little uh, encounter in this book There are these trees outside the Panacea Building, and the trees are inhabited by Blight Children, which I know what you're asking, what are Blight Children? Well, they're the corrupted husks of Glade Children, just to clarify. What these Blight Children do, they have an attack called Blighted Touch, and it is very similar to what Poison Haze is described as doing in Street Fighter, um, except that it's kind of backed up by mechanics more here than it is in Street Fighter. What I love about this encounter is basically when when the evil trees touch you, kind of an attack, but it's, this isn't like a fight that your werewolves are going to lose and be like too banged up and have to go home. Instead, when they touch you, you kind of like become your worst self for a little while. And this is outside the building. So this is very likely to be an early or even a first encounter. This is the cruelest shit you could ever do to a werewolf player group. Because the thing about werewolves is if you want to play a monster, play vampire for sure. But if you want to play a bad fucking person, play werewolf. One of the major themes of werewolf is like environmentalism. And the threat of climate change, both literally and uh, in the form of metaphors about the apocalypse. And one of the ways it gets that theme right is this is a game of people who have all the goddamn tools to solve their problems, but have just a universe of debilitating character defects such that everybody gets together and is like, hey, we're all in mortal danger together. Let's work together and solve our problem. And then fast forward five minutes. And it's just two big hairy werewolves with their friends all holding them back, trying to fucking claw the shit out of each other, just pointing across the room with a clawed finger like, Moonscythe, you fucking bastard. I will see you dead for what I perceive your culture to have believed about my culture at some point in history. And nothing gets done and the world ends. Extremely true to life. Given that, given who these werewolves are and what they are, having the first encounter in like a dungeon crawl effectively be evil tree spirits touch you and you all become the worst assholes you've ever been in your life to each other is like a death sentence and it's all the player character's fault it's so beautiful this is the way that poison haze should be deployed in riganka for sure you don't send revenants out to a bar to jump Derek fucking savage and make him be an asshole just like out there in a bar where Dawson can come by and you know talk him down you wait until people are raiding riganka you wait until they're going into the underground city they're down in the tunnels They've already started this raid. They can't turn back. That's when you sick the revenants on them. And it's like, okay, you won that fist fight. But all of you remember now that you're in the belly of the beast, now that you're in the, the deepest heart of Shadowloo, fighting your most deadly foes, everybody remember to role play that you are absolute unforgivable shitheads to each other at all times. <laughs> if you, if you take this tack, I honestly wouldn't even bother mapping anything past the first level of the undercity. Those player characters aren't going anywhere. This, this is going to make for a very cushy night of GMing. Um, other Mriganka type stuff. There's an accountant who works here named Mr. Zygote. Uh, he is secretly a spy for management. He's got Auspex and Obfuscate, which are vampire disciplines, because he is a revenant, which is kind of like a ghoul family, like people who've been read to be born as ghouls. That's a pretty deep cut from Vampire the Masquerade. Revenants are not a major part of that game. So I appreciate that we're really deploying all the B sides of evil. Uh, in this scenario. The description of Mr. Zygote specifically says that he talks like Peter Laurie. I really like Mr. Zygote, and I think there's tons of room on Rigonka for characters like him who have some ability, like they there's something they can do, whether it's a gadget, whether it's like one little chi power, whether it's like they kind of know Kung Fu or what anything. They've got some little edge that allows you to create encounters with them. But most importantly, they're just NPCs who are mostly normal but evil people, right? There have to be Mregonkin accountants, janitors, chefs, repairmen, who may be some degree of evil, but in a mundane field and who can be sort of intimidated, used, but who can also turn on you, who can also be crafty, try to alert their more combat-oriented superiors that you're on the loose. An evil Mregonkin accountant just by himself could be the key to a fantastic adventure in Regonka. You might even just use Mr. Zygote. He would fit just fine in the world of the Street Fighter storytelling game. Speaking of things that already seem like they're from the goofy-ass world of Street Fighter, uh, there's this guy, Heinz. Heinz has an office in the building. In his office, there is a previously unknown Hieronymus Bosch original. If you look behind the painting, you will find a safe. Within the safe is a CD. Not just any CD, a magical CD. It's magical because it has a spider spirit living in it. If you put the CD into a computer... The magic spider in the CD will come out, take over the computer, and hijack it for one purpose. It will cause the computer's printer to print a letter from an eccentric vampire lady. This is the best thing that I've ever heard. So many weird and useless levels in this strange find that you can make in this office. And disconnected. The Bosch. So, such an interesting detail. They're literally to be moved aside. It's like making a delicious elaborate designer cake and then on top is like a crystal glass full of chocolate milkshake it's like what the fuck why did you make me a milkshake and a cake i like chocolate milkshake but this is the cake of a sick mind but that's really perfect for for something like this it's perfect for the panacea building and it's perfect for mriganka i think needlessly weird is one of the great aesthetics of mriganka we're gonna have more to say uh tomorrow about strange paintings in mriganka so stay tuned Uh, Speaking of weird letters, there are secret letters in this book uh, as handouts that reveal all kinds of secrets about um, Pentex plans. There's so much. This other stuff, there's a super serum that puts people into a berserker rage and enhances their physical attributes. And it's got a tie-in comic book. It's it's a super soldier serum with a tie-in comic book to propagandize your super soldier candidates. And the name of the comic is Buck Racer. And it's basically like a schlocky pulp action comic book about super soldiers who fight werewolves. And there's a real-life Buck Racer. The comic book character is based on a real guy named Buck Racer who is, like, all hopped up on serum and deranged. Also, there's another secret project. This is a, some kind of sound engineered from—there's a whole recipe. They kidnapped werewolves and one vampire, made them play music, and then sound engineered the product of this werewolf and vampire hoedown using arcane formulas that were delivered to scientists in a dream until the sound became a magic sound that opens a rift to the atrocity realm when it is played. And the sound from the atrocity realm uh, kills people. And if you play it for a vampire, then it doesn't kill the vampire, but it drives them insane. Obviously, a sound that opens a rift to the atrocity realm and kills you unless you're a vampire, and then it makes you crazy, very much a Reganka-type scheme. Similarly, the propaganda comic tied to a super serum, this seems like an Akazan-type of project to me. He already created a religion, I feel like he's reaching market saturation on that. Comic books would be another way to go, or like maybe a propaganda video game. Like maybe Akazan would actually create a fighting game that covertly trains you to channel Dark Chi. That's just off the top of my head. But something like this is definitely right up Shadowloo's alley. Um, speaking of that that Buck Racer comic, there are teams of Pentex mercenary agents who mainly consume that comic book. Like it's their source of information about the world, and they're kind of sequestered from the rest of the real world, and they live in this facility. That's a great idea from Riganka. It's an island nation that is self-sufficient, essentially. I mean, they need to have imports, but I mean in the sense that like you don't need to leave the island to have your life, right? You could totally have Shadowloo employees who've been zapped with the mine cannon, much like the jungle men were, who don't know anything else except what you've told them, who just live on the island, who are living in a total fantasy world and are kind of carefully kept in that world. There could be people living in Rigonka who don't know there's anything but Rigonka. The idea of fighting people who are kind of sort of unwitting about evil seems like it's more of a world of darkness, moral dilemma, but actually it works really well in Street Fighter because you're just, you're fist fighting people. You're not killing them. So it just kind of adds interest. If it turns out like there are people working in the Shadaloo warehouse underground who don't know there's a surface world, you know, by all means, knock them unconscious, throw them into boxes. Like that's what the boxes is there for. Throw them into boxes. But then afterward you could like release them and they're like what the fuck sunshine this changes everything i'm beginning to think that the forklift gods may not have our best interests in mind so that's like a little moral victory you can win let some people lose to go rampage around the surface world on riganka kind of a reverse revenant situation right like the revenants were bad people whose brains have been destroyed so now they're just automatons you could have other of bison's henchmen who could become decent people but who at this point don't know anything but what they've been told and have never been off the island beat them in non-lethal combat then like introduce them to the world, take them to the mall. I had this happen in a Street Fighter game. They captured a ninja for interrogation. Next thing you know, we're doing a mall montage. Equally likely to happen in a werewolf campaign as a Street Fighter campaign, but in a Street Fighter campaign, it's on tone. Um, down on the first floor of the Panacea building, there are a bunch of scientists. These are true believer scientists. These are evil scientists. They know exactly what they're doing. Also, there are a bunch of Bane spirits who are just like evil spirits, basically, who inhabit all kinds of simple machines. And will try to jump werewolves when they least expect it. So like the book specifies there are conveyor belts, there are shrink wrap machines, there are forklifts that secretly have evil spirits in them. And so just when the werewolves are in a, like a false sense of security, like here we are in the mundane first floor, like the labs and storage facilities of the building, all of a sudden the forklift will come barreling out of nowhere. Or, or I guess a thick sheet of plastic will fly out of nowhere engulfing a werewolf and start aggressively shrink wrapping them. As a storyteller, you better be on your fucking game if you are going to attempt to maintain a horror atmosphere while shrink-wrapping a werewolf to death. So I'm not sure I would advise using this idea in your werewolf campaign, but in Street Fighter, I mean, we've already got killer forklifts on Rigonka. Why not killer shrink-wrap machines? If Bison's shrink-wrap machines on Rigonka are not killer shrink-wrap machines, it's because he couldn't get them. If that was an option, he absolutely went for it. Conveyor belts, too. A James Bond classic creates an interesting tactical twist to martial arts fights. And it's particularly important that they're not remote-controlled. They're inhabited by spirits. I wouldn't use the spirits per se in Street Fighter, but I think I'd do something like um, evil experimental AIs, and not just one AI. Like, it's one thing to have the AI of a level of Muruganka attack you that feels like a a mini-boss, and it feels like fighting a grand sci-fi concept. I'd prefer if, like, the lab has just been churning out prototype after prototype of killer AI... But because they've got a bunch of them and they want to field test them, every every gadget is a different one. So like the fridge in the break room, evil AI. The electric kettle in the break room, also evil, totally distinct. As a storyteller, I would do different voices for all of them. It's just a whole Rigonkin like office slash storage level of items competing to destroy you. Um, and then the final thing I want to mention, very Rigonka on the roof, there's something called a Bane antenna which is a, quote, silver-black ovoid dish that lures in and traps lesser evil spirits and then blasts them down through the building into a chemical vat on the first floor that turns the evil spirits into, like, addictive pharmaceuticals. Mainly, they're just addictive drugs. That's pretty good, right? That's like Pintex meeting its evil quota. But additionally, if you take a lot of them, which you might because you're addicted, you might also drift into another dimension, so that's just like stretching for a little extra evil from this whole pharmaceutical project. Somebody's bucking for a promotion in the pharmaceuticals department. And I think you get extra points for these being not just evil drugs, but evil drugs created by trapping evil spirits with a satellite dish and then shooting them laser beam style into a vat of chemicals to turn the evil spirits into evil drugs. Imbison Bison loves to go hunting down mystical sites of various kinds. He seems to really have a grudge against uh, lots of sort of chi-enlightened individuals, uh, mystical street fighters and stuff. I can definitely see him using magical artifacts, enlightened people, vegetation or natural resources from places of great spiritual strength, and kind of like converting them down into the form of some kind of pills or entertainment product, something very sordid that addicts people and then also maybe additionally does something weirdly evil, like it gradually turns their bodies into clones of M. Bison or something like that, just in case he's ever in your neighborhood and you know needs a new body. It happens to him from time to time anyway that's that's the whole tour of Panacea uh, in closing what would I rip off from the Panacea building all the internal sniping inside all the personalities the structure of the book where we're talking about like this person versus this person that can be done in a way where it is uh silly but still really like adds complexity and drives the plot I would love to see like the dragons that are described in secrets of Shadowloo, super interesting characters described at great length and then basically never mentioned again in that book. If you went to Mariganka and all the dragons were there and they all kind of hated each other and were working against each other and had control over different parts of the island, then you throw like Vega and Bison and Akazan into the mix. Now we can really role play our paper thin Kung Fu heroes on this island. Um, I love the satellite trapping banes to make drugs. As I mentioned, the Bane antenna, I love the killing sound, like killing people with sound is one thing, but creating that sound by kidnapping musicians and forcing them to all like play into one microphone Like, I specifically need an evil person to play fiddle (laughs) and then, like, run it through the compressor with these special arcane settings to turn it into death noise. That's some, that's a Shadaloo plot. Anytime you're filling up a tank with, like, glowing evil musicianship, you've got a, you've got a rich future in the Marigonkin science department. Uh, what would I disregard here? Obviously, all the spiritual stuff needs to be replaced, but I feel like that's easy because what you're looking for is the feel. There are evil spirit trees in front of, the Panacea building, that's not very Street Fighter. But there is a killer rose bush in Rigonka next to the nuclear reactor. Same thing. So you can tell these are both White Wolf ideas, but one of them has had, like, the gritty blue filter taken off. Same basic ideas apply. They just kind of need to be let loose, I feel. And as I said, there are tons of inspirations in White Wolf. It's not just Monkey Wrench, Pentax, any of the different lines, any of the evil organizations. You'll find plenty of inspiration. This is just one example of how to, like, go through... That White Wolf material and pick out stuff you can use in your Street Fighter game. I think this would probably be useful to you if you're a White Wolf fan. If you're not, you may not have found much to like in this episode, but everyone will find something to like next time when we discuss the live action Street Fighter movie, yes, the one with Jean Claude Van Damme and Raul Julia, in the penultimate episode of Revisiting Mrigonka. This has been Revisiting Mrigonka, a bonus series from Mega Dumbcast. Contact me or check out the show wherever you want. I am Mega Dumbcast on Podbean, Twitter, Gmail, Instagram, your podcatcher of choice, etc., etc. Street Fighter and all associated trademarks are property of Capcom. This episode's music, used under a Creative Commons attribution license, is Tired Traveler on the Way Home by Andrew Codeman, whose work you can find at raskazoff.com. That's R A S S K A Z O F F.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, I'll bust you like a nut.